0: Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. I didn't normally laugh uh, when I do that introduction, but uh, as we're recording now, I'm sitting opposite my boss, who giggles every time. Uh, <laughs> and you should just be thankful uh, that he's not now singing to you the theme tune of the podcast. Don't tempt me, Roz. don't tempt me. <laughs> so, Lee Gatiss, director of Church Sartre. I very... giggle because I always
1: expect you to say, Roz on the radio, but you, <laughs> you still haven't taken my... I,
0: I no, know, these. and radio is becoming very um, passe these uh, days, you know, it's on the BBC website, they no longer have radio, sounds, sounds or as I like to call it, BBC stupid sounds, <laughs> don't get me Rod started. on the radio
1: would be retro cool.
0: May, maybe it would. Anyway, for the moment we are still Church Society podcast, okay. and uh, it's nice to have you back on the podcast, I like to... Uh, try and have you once a term or so, just to keep us up to date with uh, what you're doing, what church society's doing, uh, all of those kind of things. Mm. It's an exciting month this month, isn't it? Um, it is. It's busy and exciting. <laughs> busy lots going and on. exciting. And in front of us, we have a, I think it's not too much to say, a pile <laughs> of your latest publication so two books that have come out within the last month it's a small uh, pile really it, it? i mean it's a pile of two admittedly <laughs> but but nonetheless a pile and um, let's start uh with fight valiantly people might have heard about fight valiantly um we I had have. yes we had a blog post series back in Lent, mm. um, which was based on some of the material from this book. Yeah. But the book is more than just a series of blog posts, isn't it? Tell us what's in the book and who it's for and, and why we should all go out and read it.
1: That's right. And you don't just want me to read out the back of the book and tell you what it says on the back of the book. No, in your own words. <laughs> uh, one of the films that my kids like, you know, have watched um, has this bit where a guy says, uh, you keep using that word. I don't think it means... What you think it means. And this is like a little uh, theme through through the film at points. Um, and we, we often use the word contending in Christian circles, contending for the faith. Um, but I'm not sure that we always know what it means and what no. the Bible means by that word contending. And so I've written this book as a way of exploring what the Bible says about contending for the faith and what that looks like in our day and age, particularly so in the Church of England.
0: It doesn't mean we need to start going on 21st century crusades, does it?
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't. It okay, doesn't. There's, there's no sword or shield or um, uh, tanks or guns or anything on the front of the book. It's not about going out on a crusade to, uh, to kill your enemies or something like that. And, of course, people have made that misstep um, in Christian history, thinking that it was all about forcing people and compelling people to have faith. Though there have also been many people down the centuries who've said, no, we're not to compel people to have faith. Um, so
0: it's contending for the faith, what well, the Bible means by that. But the, the title of the book, Fight Valiantly Contending for the Faith in the Bible and in the Church of England. Yes. So just explain what it means for us to contend for the faith within the church.
1: Mm. that's tricky isn't it because you think um, fighting sounds like something we wouldn't want to do as christians anyway <laughs> um, yes and we're supposed
0: to be united aren't we united and, and love and each more. other yes. and all of those um, things
1: but but there's this um consistent thread throughout the new testament about struggle and fight and wrestling and um, a battle and uh, military sorts of language throughout the bible um, but in the new testament it comes up in some significant places and um it's particularly about struggling against the world the flesh and the devil to put it in that old-fashioned way so we we struggle um against our own sin the flesh we struggle against the devil and his machinations and against the god-hating world that is around us um while trying to also at the same time love the world as christ loved the world and gave himself up for it um yeah, so there are some um, tensions and some things to remember as we're thinking about this fight, this battle that we are conscripted into when we're baptised.
0: Yeah, so this is a battle, uh, this this task of contending that is for every Christian, isn't it? So you mentioned mm. that that it comes up in baptism and that's really where the title comes from. We, we pray yes. for people when they're baptised in the Church of England that they will fight valiantly as a... Faithful soldier and servant, something like
1: that. That's right. Fight valiantly. We we had two baptisms in our church on Sunday morning in in Cambridge, and uh, we said this very prayer that they would fight valiantly um, against the world, the flesh, and the devil and continue Christ's faithful soldiers and servants till the end of their lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you're someone who, who's been baptised, and, and if you're a Christian, I, I hope you have been baptised, yes. this is something that's been prayed for you're for you. Sort of you
1: conscripted into the army. Yeah,
0: this is your fight. And so this is something, yes. it's not just a book for clergy no. or church leaders or people in full-time ministry. No.
1: That's is, another mistake people often make about this, Ros. They think that um, we, we, we employ the clergy to do all the fighting and contending for us. And, you know, what do we pay them for
0: yes well we just got on with the work of being lovely christians <laughs> yes we'll
1: just be nice and, and we pay them to lead the services etc etc but actually every christian is called to struggle for the faith to struggle for mm. against their sin and against the world of flesh and, the devil. and
0: so just um The book obviously um, includes the the sort of explanation of the the biblical teaching on this, but it does more than that as well, doesn't it?
1: Well, of course, part of contending is about how we handle false teaching in the church. So it's not just an interior thing that we're fighting against our own sin, although that is part of it, because false teaching uses our sin to get a grip on us. Um, but, But actually, it's about contending within the wider church, too, for the faith in a positive way, contending for the gospel, for the faith, against false teaching in a, in a context where there is opposition and there's falsehood and there are lies um, and so it's, it's about promoting and defending the gospel lovingly in a context of opposition this is an essential spiritual discipline that we're, we're called to as christians and so half the book is about the biblical material what the bible teaches us on that and the second half is about how that particularly applies in the church of england so I will then, uh, you know, I, I try to summarise the Bible's teaching in, in 30 propositions, the 30 theses, which we should nail up on a door or something somewhere, shouldn't we?
0: Yes, 30 <laughs> theses um, on contending, there we go.
1: And then I try and apply those, those 30 things to the Church of England and how it actually applies to us today. Much like you would do in a sermon when and you find out what the Bible
0: says. And then I noticed that there's about half the book that's written by other people. <laughs> um, so after you... Um, yes go through all of that um there's a whole section 22 different stories yeah. of people contending for the faith in a huge range of situations and i think yeah. for me this is one of the really encouraging things. it's very easy to say we should all be contending but not really know necessarily what that looks like if you are yes. a lay person if you are someone um You know, who doesn't feel you're gifted in public speaking or writing or contending in those sorts of ways. So a real mix of stories of people, uh, some of which focus on the kind of inward struggle. So there's a chapter in there on struggling with sin um, and some of which are much more focused on the outward struggles. Um, whether that's with people within the denomination or beyond as well so really and, and positive struggles
1: too about mm. how we positively get together to contend for the gospel together
0: yes exactly in local
1: groups um and as a church and stuff like that well I, I put that section in because although i can speak from personal experience and i do throughout the book lots of personal um sides and stories in there and i draw my own experience and i can speak from church history so i can pl- apply things from uh from the past and how this has worked out in the past and i can make applications to the present i think people like to see lots of other people yeah. fleshing it out as well and so i asked you know we basically got 22 different stories there at the yeah. end to, to flesh out what it looks like for them in different ways
0: absolutely and then finally there are eight bible studies um which you could use on your own or in small groups helping you to think through a bit more of this and um some of this material is going to come out um in our next edition of crossway isn't Mm. it lee so um some of the stories uh I mean, by no means, or not even half of them, but some of the stories... Always
1: leave them wanting more.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the (laughs) Bible studies, we're going to bind those together um, in the edition of Crossway that if you're a Church Society member, you'll be getting that, uh, I guess, within the next few days. If you're not a Church Society member, you can always buy, uh, you can subscribe to Crossway if you're not a member, or you can buy individual copies and those are available on our website. But we're kind of hoping that people might not just buy individual copies, uh, of that edition of Crossway, aren't we? I think we're hoping to put together a sort of Bible study group pack. Hmm. So you could get a copy of Fight Valiantly, which might be like a leader's guide, and then uh, 10 copies of The Crossway, which you could then have for every member in the group. And I'm not sure if we've worked out how much we're going to charge for that, but that okay. is going to be available on the website. So if you. Um, think that sounds something really important that you'd like to understand more about uh, and help people in your church to understand more about. You might want to think about doing that in a home group Bible study or something like that.
1: Some vicars say to me, you know, they're they're up for contending and they're up for doing this, that and the other. But my church won't follow me. or My church aren't quite there yet. They haven't really understood this yet. And so... We've written and put this, yeah. this book together to help them, really. Yeah. for church councils and for, for people in the church who are thinking about these issues to get everyone on the same page, to see the Bible gives us this imperative. We much, must fight valiantly. Um, we must contend. And it will help people bit by bit to see the need for that. So, you know, the vicar might get the the book, but the crossway will be great because it will have all the Bible studies and some of the stories in to help the people in the church do a little one-to-one study, a home group.
0: Something, uh, something you could do like with that. your PCC. Absolutely, um, yes. Yeah, exactly. so lots of ways that that could be used. So we'll put all the links to that in the blog post that goes together with this podcast, um, so you can check that out.
1: There are also all the all the blog posts and yeah. videos that we did over Lent, which were taken as extracts from this from the book yeah there's more in the book than just the, the blog posts and the videos but those videos could be useful if you're doing one of the bible studies say you could show just the five ten minute video at the beginning of the bible study they're all downloadable so it doesn't yeah. matter whether you've got a good internet connection or not you can download it, it might take you an hour in the middle of nowhere but <laughs> you can download it you've got it on your laptop yeah so it's all there you know, really all helpful. these things different channels you
0: can find like those it. um by searching through our website or because it's not always the easiest website to search through. They are also on our church site YouTube channel, and you might find it uh, easy to search through there. Great. Okay, Lee, tell us about this other book that I've got. This is Light After Darkness: How the Reformers Regained, Retold, and Relied on the Gospel of Grace.
1: What an interesting title, Roz. Mm.
0: <laughs> a, a very smart cover. So this is. Thank you. So obviously this is church history. Tell us, tell us what yes. it's about and who it's about.
1: Well, so this is published by uh, Christian Focus, um, and it's it's just come out. Same sort of time as Fight Valiantly, um, and I produced lots of this material really during the anniversary of the reformation in 2017 so i gave lots of talks on reformation history and wrote articles and that kind of thing and i i thought this would be useful for people if they wanted it all in one place yeah so it's uh, five short chapters it's only a small book big print easy to read (laughs) Um, you don't need your reading glasses on particularly
0: but there are some footnotes I mean it's a proper book oh
1: thank you yes proper book so there's some little footnotes if you want to follow up the details and just to to prove that I've read the stuff Um, and I I thought I would trace through um, looking at five individual reformers so I look at Zwingli, um, Tyndale, Martin Luther, John Calvin and Thomas Cranmer and particular things aspects of their theology things they are involved in um, I, it was interesting to to me to look, find out more about Zwingli and his particular struggles with clerical celibacy, the doctrine of clerical celibacy. Gosh, yes. Um, and when I mean struggles, he did have some personal struggles in that area. And I talk about that, looking at Tyndale and his, the way that he translated the Bible in order to help people refute false teaching. Mm. So actually, Tyndale was trying to help people fight valiantly against false teaching. And that's really one of the main reasons he translated the Bible so they could see it for themselves why um yeah, why roman catholicism was wrong uh luther on freedom i think freedom's a big theme in our mm-hmm. world today people need freedom they want freedom they don't know what true freedom is and, and luther will teach us that and about how we should speak to people about freedom It's no point just screaming at the world and screeching um where they're wrong and what they should do but luther has some good words to say about um speaking into that kind of context Chapter 4 on Calvin and the Reformation mission was really interesting for me to find out more about. Yes,
0: that. he was, not just um mission within Europe but even overseas mission as <laughs> well
1: right. he was involved yeah. in. Some people say the reformers you know that they they didn't do any mission or evangelism. Um <laughs> that's a bit odd really to say that they weren't interested in mission. It's like criticizing Columbus for not discovering Australia. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, the reformed and re Christianized Europe. And that's that's a big enough
0: mission field. Yes, yeah, so and one of the cal- things Calvin had would send a lot of missionaries back to France, yes. didn't he? He Huge. was French, yes. but based in Switzerland, but actually was so concerned for his home country, kept sending people back there.
1: The numbers there were astounding. You know, they sent 100 missionaries, I think it was, in a seven-year period mm. from Geneva. And then I thought, well, Geneva's a big city, but Geneva at the time of John Calvin was as big as... Buxton, Cheshire,
0: okay.
1: it was 20, 21,000 people, and so they're a sending small place.
0: 100 missionaries over 100 a period of seven years. And
1: a huge number of people in France were converted because of the missionaries that, that Calvin said. Of course, there are theological reasons that people sometimes think Calvin, he wouldn't have been interested in mission and evangelism because he's a Calvinist, isn't he? Well, I show that that's really not very fair either to his theology. But you're right. He also, they did from Geneva, little landlocked place in the middle of Europe. They actually managed to send some missionaries to Brazil, yeah. of all places.
0: Extraordinary, yeah. isn't it? We tend to think of the... the missionaries to south america b- mainly being catholic yes and, th- and they weren't mainly but there, there was certainly protestant mission work going on and there were reasons from a course, very early time
1: reasons for that because the spanish empire and the portuguese empire were exactly. the big maritime powerhouses of the day and of course that's why and the um yes, protestant easier, nations were, yeah. were very different landlocked switzerland germany you know these. but even then are not, you know you
0: get sort of um Missionaries that are going out with the Dutch East India Company and then yes. it, with the growth of the British Empire.
1: A bit later than the Reformation, yeah, though. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's it. It, it takes a, a little bit longer for them to start colonising and therefore doing mission work, How, however complicated the relationship between those two things is. And I
1: keep up the kind of but, mission evangelism theme in the last chapter as well and look at uh, Thomas Cranmer, Um, people think of him often around the Lord's Supper, the Book of Common Prayer and that kind of thing. But I I think the real heartbeat of the Book of Common Prayer, as Cranmer put it together, is evangelism. It is an evangelistic liturgy. He's trying to reach the hearts and the minds
0: Mm.
1: of um, people in the pews with the the gospel.
0: Yes, and it's interesting, isn't it? It's just a very different time and society within which to do evangelism. So these Mm. days, you can't, in most places, rely on your unconverted people in your parish turning up on Sunday morning in your church service. <laughs> and so, therefore, if you're going to do evangelism, you have to reach out in different ways. But in Cramer's time, it was it was mandated attendance at Sunday services, more or less. So, you know, whatever is the state of your heart, you were probably there. And so you could, therefore, do really effective evangelism in a yeah. Sunday service. Yeah.
1: And, and the Book of Common Prayer is full of the Bible, It points people to the Bible as the way to know God and to find him. Uh, It's full of the cross. It tells us how we're saved. It basically puts justification by faith alone Mm. into liturgical form. So people are praying it and singing it and hearing it and reliving it in some ways through the sacraments every single week in church. And there are different ways you can do a liturgy. The Catholic liturgy did not do that. It was put together in a different way and preached a different message. Mm. Cranmer's idea was to basically preach the gospel every week through the service itself, Um, which is why for many hundreds of years you could go to any Anglican church and it would be good stuff on a Sunday morning. The sermon may be dire. There may be no sermon in some places, but you knew you were going to get good reformed evangelical Protestant stuff through the liturgy itself. Yeah. And that's a great legacy for Cranmer to have left. And we see that what his heartbeat was really in winning people for Christ.
0: It's very striking to me. I became a Christian um, in the sort of summer between my lower sixth and upper sixth year. And I was at the kind of school where we had to go to church and it was Anglican liturgy. And I remember really clearly going back uh, after that summer holiday and, and sitting there saying things that I'd said a hundred times before. And suddenly being struck by how amazing they were and how true they were. And, and yeah, hearing the gospel, we, um, you know, we didn't always have great preachers, if we had preachers at all. Mm. But we had the confession and the creed and the prayer of humble access and the Eucharistic prayers. And, and all of that, as you say, teaching us the gospel mm. um, week by week, uh, even though often we didn't have ears to hear it. <laughs> So,
1: yeah, great. That's the idea, is to basically, in this book, to show how the Reformation did that. It tried to bring the gospel to bear on all the ecclesiastical issues of the day. Um, and it really was about bringing light after darkness. That Though you can't say that all of the Middle Ages was darkness and that there was nothing good in the whole of the Middle Ages. Well, but by the time of the late Middle Ages, mm. when the Reformation was about to start, there, there were significant vulnerabilities. Um in the church that meant that yes people had stained glass windows and they had pilgrimages and they had uh, saints days and and feasts and priests dressed up in nice clothes in fancy um, churches but they were that kind of form of religion was vulnerable to the protestant critique which Mm. is that well it was just paganism superimposed on a lowercase c christianity that didn't really understand what the bible and the
0: gospel were about well and as we mentioned people didn't have the bible in a way that they could read and understand and was accessible no. to them so how were they to know any better so of course yeah. they were vulnerable um to all kinds of false teaching so this is not a church society but you can't no. buy this on our website but we will put a link uh to where you can buy it Ooh, great. uh in the blog post uh, that goes along with this podcast so Thank you. uh we're coming towards the the summer uh what what are you working on next lee so i mean you know two books in a month are, are we going to keep that up next next month
1: <laughs> i don't think i could quite i don't think i can quite sustain that every month ros no I mean, those have taken a while to uh, come to fruition uh, those books i do hope there will be um a couple of more church society books by the end of the year great um so uh, we'll talk about those when we get to them, I guess. I guess so, uh, but Yeah. Hopefully but there'll we've be got some, some more things resources coming through, lovely. Yeah, that we've been working on for a while. And I have another book coming out uh, by the end of the year, which will be um, the Reformation Commentary on Scripture series with ivp i've done the volume on uh, the pastoral epistles wonderful one two timothy and titus that was great um to work on i really enjoyed that reading lots of 16th 17th century commentaries on the pastoral epistles and the different issues that they wrestle with the exegesis of different passages and how they went about understanding those those parts of scripture so i really enjoyed doing that and hopefully that will come out in um the, the way that it's written so people Great. Will enjoy that
0: so lots to look forward to there but uh it's not all about the books uh we have conference coming up uh over the summer yes, every year we have the jake. junior anglican evangelical conference commonly known as jake uh what what's happening at jake this year what are we talking about and who've we got coming
1: uh it's it's really about the future of um the Church of England and evangelicals in the Church of England.
0: So we're dealing with the big one this year then.
1: It's quite a big issue, isn't it? <laughs> um it's the it it's the whole it Brexit yeah. sort of issue, you know, do we stay, do we go? What do we do when we stay? How do we stay? Um, right and what does that so mean? So
0: we So we're gonna have a little bit of historical context to this. Um what Anglican and Anglicanism actually is and why, doing that? why that matters. I think that's Andrew Towner is going to do yeah, that. Excellent. Uh, we're going to do a little uh, history of evangelicalism within the Anglican Church. Who's so, doing that, Ross? Well, I think you made me do that. Yes. So, yeah, so I have to think about that a little bit. People
1: but don't want to hear me doing all the church history. They don't They're want to, to h- get you doing it as well. Yes,
0: and it has been something of a checkered history. I mean, we, we yes. can look at the sort of... Beginning of the the Church of England as you've just been talking about with Thomas Cranmer and and see a clearly evangelical uh, reformed understanding of the church and of doctrine and, and of what we're doing, but that has not always been dominant within the Church of England over the last uh, few hundred uh, years. Sadly, not. Um, and at different times, so it'd be interesting to look and I think see times when evangelicals uh, evangelicalism was growing and and doing really great things. And also maybe um, some of the times where it seemed to be struggling and see what lessons there are for us. From that, so I'm I look excited forward to that. Hearing your talk I do too. You're looking forward to hearing what you're going to say as well. I know. Well, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fascinating. You're going to do a Bible reading for us as yes. usual. Yeah. Uh, do you know what you're doing that on this I'm year? I'm going
1: to work. We've done two Timothy over the last uh, six or seven years, and then we finished off two Timothy now. So thought I thought might just start on Titus since I've been making commentary. We're just going to
0: work. Through. I'm looking forward to you know we're going to get through, aren't we? Hebrews and <laughs> and and then you know in a few years' time we'll be on Revelation. So that'll be great. We'll all be looking forward. Might to be that. a
1: few years because. Of course, I did my PhD on a, a guy who wrote two million words on the book of Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, we don't need so... <laughs> to hear all of
0: them at Jake. So we're going to have that. So
1: that'll be the first day. The, the second day looks really interesting this I'm year like, with I'm the different seminars and talks too.
0: So the second day at Jake is always quite a fun day because we do have main session, but we also have uh, a number of people who just come for that day to lead different seminars. Uh, and then after the seminars, we have a panel discussion, um, including some of those speakers and a chance... Uh, for any of the delegates to ask uh, questions and answers and this year um that will all be focused around that kind of theme of the future of the church of england so one of the people we've got coming is john dunnett who is uh director of cpas i think that's his job title
1: general director of
0: general director maybe that's what we should call you is general director now okay because we're all you know we've got a whole lot of directors now we
1: need more adjectives don't we yeah got associate directors and regional directors i want to be
0: General General Director. Director Anyway, he's General Director of CPAS and he's involved in things like New Wine Wine and CEC, the Church of England Evangelical Council. Eggs.
1: He's the leader of the Evangelical Group in General Synod. Eggs. So he's
0: someone really well positioned um, to help us understand a little bit about the current context within the Church of England, what evangelicals are doing, what evangelicals can be doing as we prepare, particularly for next year. Um, you may know the General Synod is due to report back on the living in love and faith process, mm. which has been examining a whole lot of issues around the area of sexuality, marriage, gender, all kinds of stuff. And and it looks set to be, an interesting time shall we <laughs> say Typical
1: english understatement an interesting time yeah. yes well um, it's a
0: curse is it may you live an interesting yes, time right. so right.
1: yeah those subjects have been somewhat controversial shall we say they
0: have so um be, yeah so fun. he's going to do a main session for us on that uh, but we'll also be part of the panel discussion uh, later in the day and we've got all sorts of seminars on uh, getting through a back. if you're someone going through selection or thinking about going through selection for ordination, being married to a minister... Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, I forgot. What else have we got? You tell us. You've got the list in front of you. Well, it's
1: great. Jake is brilliant because it's for so many different groups of people. You know, anyone who's not a senior Anglican is welcome. (laughs) If you're senior, we'll kick you out. Uh, If if you're not
0: an Anglican, you, you, I mean, you, you,
1: you you might be welcome to come along and find out about being an Anglican if you're tempted by the the ways of Anglicanism. But if Uh, you think you're a
0: junior sort of nobody, so you might be a curate, you might be in training, you might not be anywhere near thinking about. We've had lots of people, haven't we, who've
1: been thinking about Anglican ministry but not convinced it's for them yet and still wondering about it they come along they can hear all this good stuff we have a seminar uh, group just for them to think about the whole process of discernment um, and exploring vocation as
0: it's called. Oh I remember one seminar that we've got this year which actually was a request uh, from last year's delegates about uh, ministering in multiple parishes so the reality for a lot of clergy these days is that you might be in a joint benefice Um, You might be part of a team um, in all different kinds of ways. It's it's less and less common for it to be one vicar, one parish. Um, And so the realities of how you deal with multiple PCCs, how you work together with other clergy who might be of different traditions from you mm. across that. So uh, I think that'll be great. That's Fiona
1: Gibson. Fiona
0: Gibson, who's a minister of three parishes, I think in how Bedfordshire. Do that? How do you do three churches? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not straightforward, is it? Yeah. So I think that'll be a really helpful. one. Now,
1: Fiona's doing a um, a main session with Mark Wallace, our regional director from the south. Yes. on how we unite the tribes. I mean, Fiona is an ordained woman working in the Church of England. Uh, there will be complementarians and egalitarians at the conference. Um, we, we don't just have a narrow focus on one or the other. Um, so people from any tradition can come, and it would be great yeah. to hear how Fiona and Mark talk about how we can get together and unite as evangelicals across some of the divides that we do have within yes. evangelicalism. I
0: agree. I think it's one of the real strengths of of Jake over the last few years has been the breadth of people that we've had, so all of whom are evangelicals and and would uh, describe themselves as such, but um, people, as you say, complementarian or egalitarian on women's ministry, Mm -hmm. uh, people who are charismatic or conservative, Mm -hmm. um, people from really different kinds of backgrounds and, and churches, people at a wide range of theological colleges Do we
1: have seven theological colleges one year yes I think that's
0: right um, That was amazing wasn't which it? is which is really great to know that there are evangelicals in yes. that many and there were some of those colleges I was surprised to learn that there was an evangelical there but it's great <laughs> and it's really great for them to come and, and be with other like-minded people mm. um, and it's just so encouraging to see people at that sort of early stage of ministry mm. committed to serving in the Church of England recognizing that there are challenges about that um, and wanting to support and encourage each other as we think about how we go ahead. I, well, I was that. talking
1: to some ordinans here in Cambridge um, just the other day who are at Ridley um, and, and talking about how they, they haven't really had the opportunity to meet many ordinans from other colleges, because apparently there are other colleges. You know, there's there's one in Oxford apparently called Wycliffe. There's
0: or, several in Oxford, I believe. In and fact.
1: Sir Stephen's House, <laughs> yes. um, and and Oak Hill, and, 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 and other places. And Cranmer up in
0: Durham, and, and Trinity So,
1: Jake is one of the only places mm. I know of where people can have a conference and all get together at the same sort of stage and meet people from those other colleges. I did it once in my back garden here. I invited a whole bunch of people from Wycliffe and Ridley and Oak Hill together. (laughs) Uh, But Jake really is a way of doing that every year, of seeing people from those other places. You rub up against uh, the differences between the colleges, and I think there's some uh, lively banter, which is great um, and constructive, I think, usually.
0: Yes. But it's good that we get to meet
1: together and and talk about the things we have in common, about our desire to evangelise the nation.
0: And if we're serious about doing um, that thing of uniting the tribes, working together in the Church of England um, with common cause for the gospel, we need to have good relationships on which to do that. We need to know each other and trust each other because there will be things we'll disagree on. Um, And so building those relationships is really vital. And then we always have a bishop, don't we, at Jake? Who have we got this year?
1: Oh, Mark Tanner, the Bishop of Berwick, is coming.
0: Yeah, no, that's exciting. Regular listeners of the podcast uh, will have heard a few weeks ago, I talked to some students at Oxford at the Bishop Jewel Society. Yes. One of whom was Mark Tanner's son. Oh, so there you go. So that's of course, nice. That's right. That'll be a little kind of family uh, affair. Hopefully, I'll get <laughs> Mark on the podcast. Mark as well. used to be at
1: Cranmer Hall. So uh, he understands theological education and training for ministry, as well as actually being a bishop in the Church of England. Yeah. So he understands the Jake sort of constituency um, uh, and is now a serving bishop. So understands the Church of England in a number of ways. So we, we enjoy getting bishops along to talk to us about the Bible. Yeah. So we, we always set them the task of expanding the Bible to us. So it's been fun to hear Rod Thomas and Keith Sinclair um Paul Williams and, and, and other bishops that we've had along to speak about the Bible yeah. uh, Julian Henderson came yes. a few years ago too. So I'm looking forward to hearing what Mark Tanner does um, with the, the passages we've set him. That would be yes. good. I think we've got an imperfect pastor coming along as well.
0: Yeah, well, I think we might have several, but we've only got one who's doing a <laughs> seminar. One on, who actually on owns the title. Yes. An imperfect pastor, that's right. So, and he's bringing his imperfect wife
1: as well. Yes,
0: although I think she's <laughs> doing the seminar and being married to the minister. So that's I don't really know if they'll both so. be uh, together in that. Andrew Tanner's going to do something on music for us, which is the thing that lots of people struggle to know how best to deal with that in yeah. their church. Um, so I think it should be great. Uh, there's still spaces, please book. Uh, the link to the brochure you can download is on the website. Uh, and I feel often when the deadline is that you have to book by, but there is a deadline. Uh, and if you uh, book late, you do have to pay more. So I'm just saying, if you're planning to come and you want to get the best rate, then you want to send in your application form sooner rather than later.
1: No bookings after August 23rd.
0: There you go. But um, I think oh i don't know did we put in a, a uh, august the 9th is the deadline we want people to do it by you may not be yes, accommodated after that's that. right august the 9th is your your kind of standard rate after that there's an extra fee and you might not get a place
1: have we made a mistake here roz it says here on the um oh, the flyer dear. it's only
0: 145 pounds well for now, three
1: days for three full days board. Full, I mean, full
0: board you get I like three
1: course meals at this conference you centre do as well. you
0: do it's good and food a breakfast and nice for accommodation that's right no i think that for only 145 i think after finance assistant signed off on that but that is a uh, an excellent deal but it's I not think double
1: that is it it's not double if you bring your wife or your husband you can actually get a deal on you a can get a deal well.
0: if you bring a spouse you can't get a deal if you bring a random person off the street
1: just <laughs> so we're all clear And it right. also says here there's a discount for church society members
0: so there, there is and also there are bursaries if you're under 30 and and thinking about getting ordained so that's really cheap anyway uh i think we've we've we're giving it away we're for giving long it away. enough we are giving away we would love for you to come um uh please do apply if the money is of an issue please get in touch there are some bursaries i think still available uh, so we may be able to help with that as well great well seems like there's lots going on um we will be back talking to lee no doubt at some point in the future
1: well you might be ros i've got to do your ministry review now
0: that's so. true he's got to do my annual staff <laughs> development review so that you know if watch this, this is, space if this is the last podcast ever you'll know how that went amanda
1: might be leading it next exactly.
0: week. exactly <laughs> do you tune in again next week i hope there will be something for you to listen to